Good evening. Welcome to the PSI Monthly Teleseminar. My name is Kat, and I will be your host for this evening. And on behalf of PSI Seminars, welcome to the call. PSI has been offering personal growth seminars around the world for over 40 years, and each month on these calls, we have tools and techniques from the PSI Basic Course as a free resource for you in your ongoing personal growth and self-improvement. For those of you who are new to PSI Seminars and would like to find out more about the PSI Basic Seminar or any of our advanced courses, you can go to psiseminars.com where you'll find information about all of our seminars as well as the dates and locations for upcoming classes. That's psiseminars.com. The topic for tonight's call is 1 plus 1 equals 3. And first off, I would like to introduce your speaker for tonight. We have a very special guest with us this evening, Mr. Rob Rowe. Rob is one of the advanced seminar instructors for the Life Success course in the Men's Leadership Seminar. He has been involved with PSI seminars for over 20 years. He is an avid golfer, loves to read, and is involved in a number of charities. Rob, are you with us? I am here. Welcome. Welcome. Good evening, everyone out there. I am talking to you from Northern California on our High Valley Ranch. We're in the middle of an MLS right now. It's actually into our Tuesday evening of the week. And these gentlemen are having a fantastic week for the most part. Tonight's topic is about synergism, which is 1 plus 1 equals 3. It's a very unusual or interesting entity when it comes to personal growth and life success. Uh, and it's the magical entity that must be added in virtually everything to make something of significance happens. Obviously, when we're first introduced to it, we see it up on a, on a wall, and it says 1 plus 1 equals 3. And um, before we actually just decide it's bad math, we need to realize it's just the math. Before it's bad math, it's math. It's math the way it is. It's in reference to 1 plus 1 equals 2 because that's our default setting. That's how we think about the world. We are to be reasonable. We're supposed to be sensible in all of our undertakings. 1 plus 1 equals 2 is how we assimilate and integrate with our society. It's how you become a good boy. For some of you to become a good girl, do the right thing, grow up and become a good man, become a good woman. Become a gentleman. Become a lady. In other words, it's the way we ultimately become compliant and assimilate with our world. One plus one equals two. The problem is, it appears that we're meant for more than this mere compliance, obedience. Because compliance and obedience will create ultimately a stagnation, and a stagnation that will need to be, will create a hole within us that needs to be filled. What's happening is I look at our society with the 1 plus 1 equals 2, which is good math but tends to bring about a bad society, is you yourselves are seen as a consumer. You're supposed to buy things. You're supposed to get stuff. You're supposed to accumulate. And the oddity is every time you accumulate, buy, or get, all it does is creates a desire for you wanting to get something bigger, something better, something more, something more costly, the next best thing, as they always say. And so as a consumer, this is a loop that, you, that as human beings we get trapped in. We trapped in getting stuff, and the minute we get stuff, the idea of having it does not hold a significance to it, and so we need to get something else. 
And so we're constantly repeating the process of accumulating and accumulating and accumulating. Hence, we become more of the one plus one equals two consumer society. Here at Size Seminars and in all personal growth, they don't see you as a consumer. You may do consuming, but you're never a consumer. We see you as a dynamic being. Ultimately, we see you as a human being. Your longing is not for stuff. Your longing is for experiences. When you reflect upon your life, you'll realize you got a lot of things as your life progressed, but what you remember about your life in order are the major experiences that you had as a human being. You remember your first kiss. You may not remember the fourth kiss, but you remember the first one. You remember the first time you made love. You remember the first time you had the date. You remember the first time that you actually went to school. You remember the first time that you entered into college. These kind of new experiences, these new creations, the first time holding hands, the first time investing money, the first time actually winning and creating an investment that worked and operated. The first time in making anything memorable, these are the kind of things you are living off of these experiences. These experiences are important because ultimately the culmination of these experiences is the character of who you are as a human being. They develop and create character. Whether they're sorrowful experiences that must be endured and utilized or whether they're joyous experiences that we create elation and excitement from, they develop our character as human beings. In character, we then create vitality, and ultimately from that vitality of being alive, uh, we create a sanctity, and a sanctity not only for our life, but the lives of those around us. Synergism, one plus one equals three is the difference. It makes all the difference. Synergism, to put it simplistic, is this. It's the assimilation, it's the energy assimilated when one or more human beings operate from commitment. One plus one. Two people operating from commitment creating three. One plus one, internally inside of you as one person, once you are integrated, you create this energy because you're operating from a place called commitment. Oddly, synergism and that energy is mostly felt by its absence but it's also rather understood by its presence. Because in creating synergism, we basically turn an arrangement into a romance. We turn the mundane into the magical, the ordinary into the extraordinary. It's the spice in the works that makes all the difference. It makes a normal place a sacred place. It changes a happening into an event, something that's memorable never to be forgotten. I'm sure many of you out here out there have experienced a situation where you go to someone's house and while being in their house for a little while, you realize it's more than a house. It's a home. It's a place. Life is lived here. Something happens here that doesn't happen everywhere. Synergism turns the house into a home. Synergism is ultimately what makes sex into making love. Instead of the animalistic practice, it makes it into something meaningful, powerful. Integration, connection with two human beings coming together as one. And ultimately, when you, probably, when you start getting your mind around it and working with it any great deal, you realize it's the thing that makes the unhealthy into the healthy. 
our energy assimilated inside of us and come out with our commitment will create a body that tends to be unhealthy and create it into something that extremely is healthy, that's vital, that's alive, that makes a difference on our planet and our world. And so as we talk about it, the whole point is, well, how to? How do you make it happen? And the difficulty is we're trying to make the impractical practical. We're trying to bring something from nothingness into somethingness, which is always a huge challenge. In the basic, we use the illustration of magnetism. Magnetism, we pull up and we draw up two steel balls. And they're just normal steelies or steel balls. Those two balls are in no way magnetized to one another. And when you start looking at it in a realistic way, you begin to see the reason they are not attracted to one another is because their molecules and atoms are not in alignment. Not being in alignment, they're not able to make a charge. And so what happens is when we have magnets, all that it's taking to turn a metal from, a, or from an innate metal into something that will be magnetized or attracted to another metal is that the molecules or atoms need to come into an alignment. And in that alignment now, a piece of just steel or metal now will be something that can create a dynamic between two entities. It's an unseen energy that draws something into something else. And so when we're dealing with the basic, that's how we're trying to explain it and trying to show it. It's the change and difference that makes companies work, that makes relationships work, and things of that nature. And when we work on it at basic, that's how we work with it. At size 7 and LS, the difficulty is that it's not easy to actually explain. It's an experiential process. And trying to explain experiential process is trying like, to explain someone how you kiss. Once you start thinking about how you kiss, you kind of can't, can't be able to kiss anymore. It's a really huge problem. You experience kisses. You don't think about how you do them. And uh, you experiment as you're doing them. And so trying to talk about something from the outside is always challenging and difficult. And so both SI7 and LS, we don't really talk about it very much. We put you into an environment where you must create it and experience it yourself. Once you create it and experience it yourself, then and only then are we able to talk about it afterwards to give you opportunities to be able to create it again in your everyday life. But once you get to SI7, we talk about it as an experiential training. Our basic was seen as an aha training. We have a lot of aha experiences like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that happened, or oh, my gosh, I can't believe I did this. When we get to our advanced class, we deal with transformation. A lot of times in people's levels, they think they're going to change as human beings, and the point is you don't change. You can change a dollar into silver. You can change your clothes, but as a human being, you do not change. The reason is because you're not a stagnant situation. You're a dynamic being. Dynamic beings do not change. Dynamic beings only transform. We see the illustration when we see a caterpillar moving into a cocoon and ultimately becoming a butterfly. It has been transformed. It's moving from one form into another form. That's how it works. A lot of times we use the illustration of a tadpole becoming a frog. It is transformed from one entity into another entity. So if you look along your... Uh, Streetways and roadways a lot of times where you see a lot of electrical lines, they go into these big old boxes, and we call those things transformers because what they're doing is they're transforming that high-level energy into a level of which a house can be can utilize. And so it's transforming energy from one form into another form so it can be accessed by people. If you're in the biblical realm a little bit, you've probably heard this phrase from the Apostle Paul in Romans 8, be ye transformed 
by the renewing of your mind. And so the idea is the renewing of how we see the world will bring a transformation without our realization. Um, where are the picture-taking era now? Everybody takes pictures with their cell phones and whatnot. More than likely, you've had that situation where you've tried to take a picture through glass. When you're looking at what's through the glass, whether it's a picture or people on the other side, you don't realize what's taking place, but your mind is basically, pull, it pushes out all the reflection. So you're able to see whatever the subject is in its totality. Your mind is doing a huge amount to make sure the reflection is of little to no problem as you're looking at what you're looking at. And so a lot of times we'll pick out our camera, we'll pull out our cell phone, and we'll take it up and we'll try to take a picture. Then what takes place is we look at that picture and all we can see is the ref reflections of the light behind us, of other entities in our room, and things of that nature. And so a lot of times we go, well, where does that come from? The point is, no, that's always been there. It's been there the whole time. What took place in that momentary was you're looking through the glasses, your mind is transforming the image so you can see what you want to see directly. Our minds are phenomenal in that they can make what seems impossible possible. We do it on such a random everyday basis, many times we're not even aware that we're making it happen. So in size 7, we're bringing you to a process. We're bringing you into a situation. And this is called the transformational process. And so for, for safe sake, I'll just explain this process so you have an understanding of how you possibly, whether you've done size 7 or not, can start utilizing this energy so you can make your life more of a 1 plus 1 equals 3 synergistic experience versus something of logical or reasonable experience. When we talk about size 7 is basically we have an event take place. It can be any event. It doesn't matter. Your mom could yell at you. Your dad could yell at you. You could be having a ticket while you're driving on the road way too fast. Uh, you could be glancing out over a field. It doesn't matter. The experience is just the experience. What takes place a lot of times in the experience is we go through a process called resistance. Resistance in our world is basically this. What is, isn't. What is can't be, what is, should not be. When you're driving to work and you're running late and all of a sudden you get a flat tire, this cannot be happening to me. I cannot believe this is taking place. Well, what your mind is going is, you have a flat tire. And what's happening is, what is, isn't. What is, couldn't be, it cannot be. You do your best to avoid someone throughout your whole day, wherever you are, at work, school, or whatever it is, and all of a sudden you turn a corner and there they are, and your mind tries to go into shutdown like this cannot be. And so a lot of times when we're dealing with our experience, we go into an instant place of resistance with what is. Human beings, for the most part, whether we realize it or not, we live in resistance to reality. About 85% of our life is in resistance. We're in resistance to the government. We're in resistance to wars. We're in resistance to our families. We're in resistance to our spouses. We're in resistance to our friends. What they're doing and how they're doing shouldn't be this way. It can't be this way. And so our mind is in resistance to what actually is taking place. A lot of times we're taught that resistance is not something we should experience. You may have not been taught this directly, but for many of us, we were taught indirectly. When we were younger and went to resistance, generally our faces changed, we get freaked, 
And a lot of times our parents will look at us and go like this. Go to your room until you change your attitude. Whenever we're directly told to go change our attitude or get out of resistance, what it tends to recreate now is us being in resistance to being in resistance. And so it creates a whole new dynamic to being in resistance around a particular situation. Wipe, wipe that smirk off your face or I'll wipe it off for you. Stop crying or I'll give, yourself, I'll give you something to cry about. All that means is that we are in a sense of fear, resistance, and that energy is now being challenged by an authoritarian figure. And so whether we realize it or not, we are being trained never to be in resistance or to see resistance as a negative thing. Inside 7, what we deal with many people on is finally getting to the place to realize resistance is neither negative nor positive. It has no value in that nature whatsoever. It just is. Matter of fact, it's the first step in the transformational process. For you to be transformed as a human being, to experience 1 plus 1 equals 3, starts at the first step of resistance. The second step, whether we realize it or not, is that we have to go to a place of acknowledgement. And all we're acknowledging simply is that we're, resistance is present. There's an energy here. We're not even to the place of owning it yet. We're just going, this is, something's, something's off here. You've experienced this when you've walked into a new environment where people are talking. And all of a sudden the energy shifts and changes and everybody gets a little bit quiet. Walk in on an argument. You can feel the tension in the air. Something is present. You can tell it's off. That's what acknowledgement is. You're merely acknowledging the reality before you. Something is amiss. And just allow yourself for a moment to be okay with that mere acknowledgement. Once we acknowledge that something is amiss, then we can step into the third step, which is always the challenging step. And that is we have to accept Get into a place of acceptance. In the transformational process, acceptance is one of the most challenging aspects of it because we have to accept and our mind doesn't really want to accept. Because to accept anything in front of us, we have to give up what we think we already know. You think you know how life should be. You think you know how your spouse should act. You think you know how your children should operate. You think you know how the government should treat you. You think you know how no policeman will be on this road. But you've got to be able to give up what you think you already know to allow your mind to accept what's in front of you. Accepting what is in front of you is hugely liberating. Because once we accept what is, we are now putting ourselves in what's called the present, in the now, in the situation. And once we allow ourselves to get in that presence, in the now, and in that situation, we can go to the next step, which is simply allowing ourselves to experience this situation completely. Humans have a tendency to try not to experience the situation that they're in completely. You're not supposed to be angry. You're not supposed to be sad. You're not supposed to cry. You're not supposed to do this. You're not supposed to do that. And because we're not supposed to, we never allow ourselves to experience anything completely. We shut it down. We don't want to be impolite. For many of us, we're operated by bigger programs called we're afraid of looking stupid. 
We're afraid that people aren't going to like us. We're afraid of basically being left alone. And because those huge energies are in play and they're a part of what we think we already know, we will circumvent the experiencing of it completely. And if we so do that, we'll put ourselves back down to the first step, which is resistance. And then we'll have to go through the resistance, acknowledgement, and acceptance process again. But let's say you're truly able to actually experience it completely. You experience whatever it is completely. Then what takes place is the next step, which is oddly the challenging step because it's not a step at all. It's an experience. Once you've allowed yourself to experience whatever it is completely, you will go into a place that we refer to as nothingness. Nothingness. It's a nothing. This is hard to grasp if you've not been familiar with the experience. So a lot of times when I get to our advanced classes, I try to utilize metaphors that will give them some idea of what I'm talking about. For many of you, you've had a really good meal. You've had an extremely fine dining experience. And you allowed yourself to experience all the tastes and all the foods in their wholeness and in their completeness. Once that meal is completed, if you've totally put yourself into it, you'll experience a moment of, huh, wow, huh, that's nothingness. That's allowing yourself to experience it completely. Not to be vulgar, but the reality is that some of you out there have really had a good experience when it comes to making love to somebody. You've really put yourself into that experience. It's been just crazy, passionate, powerful, amazing. At the end of which, gentlemen, before you want to do it again, there's a moment of, wow. You allowed yourself to experience it completely. It's a nothingness. It can be momentary. It can last for hours. It can last for days, depending on whatever it is. But we've allowed ourselves to truly experience that whole completely, and then we go into nothing. The grieving process that we're supposed to actually employ when we're dealing with someone's death or a huge loss within our life, it's a process. And you know you've actually experienced that process because at the end of which, you will be in this place called nothing. It'll be a, huh, wow. Once you hit the nothing, then, this, then and only then can now synergism be employed. Synergism is that energy because what you've been is you've been coming from a place of commitment to be in your experience, and now you've put yourself into an alignment. And that alignment brings you into a place where you get to the last stage of transformation is that now you can choose. You can choose what you're going to do next. See, choice comes from nothing. We make that distinct based off of decisions because in our world, we make a lot of decisions. Decisions come from data, information. We're making a decision based off this piece of information, that piece of information, that piece of information. We're making it based off of a history or we're making it based off what we think some people want. Um, some of you have actually purchased cars in your life. There's a lot of criteria for purchasing a, purchasing a car. Uh, I've experienced with some people, they actually use this thing called Car and Driver Magazine, and magazines like them, and they go through all of the elements that makes this car a car. 
How does it drive better? How does it actually have better gas mileage? What's its ecostructure on the planet? Yada, 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 yada. And they go through each and every aspect of it, and then they come to a decision on which car they're going to purchase. This is a normal process, and the decision that they're using is all based off the information. Some of you are not that extreme. Your decision is based off of this. Your family has always bought Fords, and so you're going to buy a Ford. Even though Ford stands for Fix or Repair Daily, you're going to buy the Ford because you guys have always bought a Ford. You've always bought a Honda. You've always bought a Toyota, and you've made up reasons why it's the best car to buy. So that's data. That's information. And then some of you, like myself, you just drive up, you see a car, you like the color blue. You like the way it looks. And bam. Well, that is still based off of data and information, and you're making a decision to buy that. The other aspect is coming from choice. Choice comes from nothingness. There are times in our life we must make decisions about things that are happening around us, and there's times that we must employ choice, because choice is infused with synergism and brings vitality to any situation. Commitment, i.e., getting married. Commitment, i.e., creating a business. Commitment, i.e., living yourself off your own personal values. These cannot be decision-oriented. They must come from nothing. Because the problem is this. If you decided to marry who you're with, whether they're male or female, you made that decision based off criteria, i.e., their body type, whether they're funny or not, whether they make a lot of money or not whether they're educated or not, whether your friends like them or not. Whatever criteria you're bringing up, that's the criteria you're bringing up. But here's the problem with the decision. Anytime new information is being offered, a new decision must be made, which is why I believe the divorce rates are so high in our country right now. I do not believe people commit utilizing synergism, one plus one equals three. I believe they decide utilizing the reasonable way of doing the world, one plus one equals two. And then something happens down the road, and they truly have a synergistic experience that alters their world. Choice comes from nothing, and from choice, people will commit and people will create. Creation is the vitality that is basically an extension of coming from choice, synergism, it just happens out of nowhere. We see this over and over. The very intelligent people on the planet, Einstein, Freud, Jung, some of their greatest ideas were always happening when they were dreaming. I had this dream, and I saw a theory of relativity. Jung, I had this experience where a bug bounced off of a window, and it created a synergistic bond, bam, suddenly my concept of how assimilation takes place came up. Every person down through history, they will give you the realization they came up with their major creative, powerful ideas, and it came out of synergism. And synergism was their ability to commit to themselves objectively and subjectively. So it's a process. It's a huge process. When you get into leadership classes, we deal with it a little bit differently even there. We work with a thing called consensus. And consensus is 
we're shifting gears now. We got off transformation. Now we're working with consensus. And so when you get into leadership, consensus is, is, is paramount when it makes yourself working with people, leading yourself and leading others. Consensus is when you allow yourself to get into an objective and subjective alignment with what's happening inside of you. Objective alignment is basically this. Is it clear and concise, um, or do you find yourself having to make up something about it? A lot of times we, we focus on being objectively clear in how we're communicating or objectively clear on what's happening inside of us. That's the one plus one equals two, the reasonable, the way it should be, the way it's supposed to be. But when you couple it to the subjective way, are you in subjective alignment? Subjective alignment is a little more complicated and a little bit more difficult to actually describe, but it's this one. Does the music match the words? Can you feel what the person is saying versus just hear what they're saying? Ladies, a lot of times when you're looking for your, for your person that you love to say they love you, you don't care if they go through the words. You want to feel the words. You want to know in that they love you based on how they're saying it. That's a synergistic response where one plus one is equaling three. Not only objectively are they saying something, but it's in alignment with something that's subjectively happening. I know in my life, especially when it comes to relationship stuff, I tend to be an introvert, which means I grab a lot of energy when I'm alone. And so when I come from a place where I've dispersed a lot of energy, like a class or a situation where there's a bunch of people involved, I go back to my home and all I want to just do is hole up for a few days so I can revitalize the batteries and get myself ready to go. And oftentimes, my wife or my girlfriend at the time, they're there waiting for me at home because they want me to go to a party with them, or they want me to take them out to dinner, or they want me to take them someplace else. Well, subjectively, I'm spent, but objectively, because I want to please them, what comes out of my mouth is, sure, let's go. And ladies, you know when a man says, sure, he's not committed. He's not there. That's what happens in the situation. And so even though I said, sure, let's go, I am making it the most difficult evening of the night. I am complaining about the movie, or I'm complaining about the food, or I'm judgmental about the people, or I'm sure you each and every one know the scenario. You said you'd be there, but you're not there. When we're dealing with the men, especially at MOS, men are very good at being objectively in alignment. They will tell you things but rarely do they allow themselves to go into subjectively alignment. When they can go into what's happening underneath and connecting those two energies, that's when you truly feel and know they are committed and a new energy springs forth. Joy, vitality, they get excited, they're happy. And ladies, you're no different. When you objectively and subjectively become in alignment internally, you're not only following through, you're following through with vigor, with excitement. You're amazing in that you make the impossible happen in an improbable situation, and it has nothing to do more so than you're in consensus with yourself. In the leadership classes, we're not only trying to allow them to be in consensus with themselves, we're working on them to be in consensus with a bunch of people around them. And having an entity of 60 or 70 or 80 people getting into a consensus, they're subjectively and objectively in alignment with making something happen. And when they get into that place, there is no such word as impossible because they make the impossible 
possible. They make the improbable probable. This consensus or this synergism, this one plus one equaling three, when we are committed with ourselves and then attaching ourselves to others, it's the momentum that makes businesses thrive and grow. It's the thing that creates intimacy in relationships versus just being together. It's the thing that you feel off of a person when they feel honorable. They have an honor about themselves. They're honoring themselves and those around them. And ultimately, it's, it allows a person to speak the truth versus merely being honest. And parents, you know what I'm talking about. Your kids will be honest with you, but they're not telling you the truth. Other people, I mean, other relationships, many times we're honest with people, but we don't tell the truth. When we're in synergism, we tell the truth. When we're in synergism, we are honored and honorable. When we are in synergism, we generate and create intimacy. When we are in synergism, we create momentum. Ultimately, synergism is the thing that breathes life into mere existence. With synergism, it brings victory when we feel defeated. Synergism brings joy into our sadness. Ultimately, synergism is the thing that makes, brings fun into survival. Synergism brings meaning into life. It's the most powerful and the most challenging because it's not the most reasonable and sensible. We must transcend the reasonable. We must transcend the sensible by the integration of our objective and subjective nature, therefore generating an energy that brings vitality to each and everything that we do as a human brain. In other words, it makes your experiences pop. It creates character, depth, power, authority. It gives you a meaning and a reason to be alive. So before one plus one equals three is bad math, it's math. It's the math that makes all the difference in the world. And it's the mystery that draws us into each and every experience that we come into. And so in the short time that I have, that's about all I can tell you about synergism. Like I say, it's something that needs to be experienced versus talked about. I hopefully I drew enough off some of your experiences that you can bring some construct to realize it's not something that mystically or magically it, it never happens. It's just once in a while. It's a lucky thing. No, it means this. You as a human being at any given time can make the mundane magical. You as a human being any time can make the profane profound. You can make the simple sacred. You're the one that can do it by allowing yourself to get into objective and subjective alignment and drawing forth an energy that's ever present, always wants to be tapped into. And so it's truly up to us. It's much of what our classes are about, bringing, bringing meaning to the meaningless. So I think that's all I have to say right now, Kat. I think we have some questions. We do have some questions. Let's start here from VL. 
Why am I allowing something to block me from accomplishing more? Why am I allowing something to block you from accomplishing more? All right, well, if we play with our, our concept of synergism right now, we've looked at it as this. For one, obviously, if you're blocked, if you're if you're using something to block you, that means you've got to realize you're the one who's doing this. You're the, const you're the constructor. You're the author. And so whatever you're using to block you needs to be assimilated at some level. Hence, what I'm dealing with a lot of these guys in this week, a lot of them, they're afraid of failing. And because they're so afraid of failing, they want to actually step into an experience that will put them in a, in a possibility of failing. But the reality is, like Henry Ford used to always say is, Failure is just giving me another opportunity to succeed even faster and easier. Failure is mere information. It's what we make up about that failure that basically will de debilitate us or shut us down or stop it. So I would tell you, if you're standing in front of me, especially in the life success course, you're responsible for your life, which means you are the source. And so what's happening is this. You must like what you're creating right now. It's serving a purpose for you not getting all of what you want. This situation that you're allowing you to block, it's a situation you must go through. And in going through it, you will now achieve even more than what you think you want because what you think you want is not truly what you want. And so you're letting it block you because it's simple and it's easy. You don't have to be responsible for anything. You can go, oh, my gosh, it's blocking me. I can't seem to get what I want. It's the unstoppable stopper. It's the, un, you know, it's the, it's, the prob it's the improbable probable that makes things almost impossible. I used to do this all the time when I was in the, in the, in the church. I, made, I told people, you know, it, God did this to me. God made me this way. This is just the way it has been. Some of you guys have heard this in people's lives. That's just the way I am. That's just the way I've always been. It's the same thing. We're allowing a simple thought process to keep us in a place because we like to be in that place. And so look at whatever it is that's stopping you, whether it's fear of failing, fear of succeeding, afraid of looking stupid, afraid of being wrong, afraid of not being liked, afraid of not being loved. These are all, you know, what you're looking at is external criteria for creating an end result. And the truth of the matter is we, we do not create anything valuable based off of exterior criteria. You do it based off of your own principles and values that you're living off of. So the problem is you're looking out and seeing a roadblock rather than looking in and seeing the solution. Looking in and seeing the solution is holding on to my principle of being honest. I'm going to be honest in this situation and actually assimilate it and assess it on the way it is right now. Looking at my principle of um, the sanctity of life, I am now basically disrespecting myself and disrespecting those around me by not being honest or not being um, truthful with what I'm doing. So I'm going to operate from truth and honesty. That makes what seems to be the roadblock not even the roadblock because it's not even a roadblock. It's what we do a lot of times to keep ourselves in the particular place. Mr. Wilhite used to simply say this, it's, you know, excuses are nothing but justifying our miserable lack of progress, our, mi our miserable lack of creating something new and different. In other words, it justifies the results that we're creating right now um, to make it okay to create them. So come to grips with first off, kind of like we are, and make that okay. Experience whatever that is completely. 
Don't get all pissed off and angry about it. Let yourself experience it completely. Once you experience it completely, allow yourself to be in it, then you'll, from your nothingness, be able to choose a different way. Because the bottom line may be what you think you want is not at all what you want. What you think you want may be what your dad wants, what your mom wants, what you think society wants, what you think is reasonable. And so allowing yourself to go through the block versus stopping at the block is the big challenge there. And I think that's about all I have to say about that one right now. Okay. So next question. Yeah, next we have uh, from J.H., how does our mindset change, and how do we implement PSI into our everyday life? All right, so mindset implies that our mind is set in a particular situation or manner. The first thing I deal with when we deal with your advanced classes or even any sort of, any sort of personal development situation is that they will talk to you about a stagnant and dynamic creation. Stagnant creation of the mind is generally programs that have been solidified within our system to help us implement a variety of tasks in a quicker, more efficient fashion. And so programs are extremely powerful because they can help us do a series of tasks without even thinking, i.e., you're able to drive your car and many of you can do it while putting lipstick on, putting makeup on, reading a book, playing with the radio, and basically, who's driving the car? You are, but it's a program. It's a mindset. It's a set of circumstances or a set of instructions that you have solidified laying down and you operate off of. This is great when you're dealing with menial tasks and things that you don't want to put a lot of energy and effort in. This is not so good when it comes to the major beliefs by which we believe on our lives. So how you change your mindset is you allow yourself to have any sort of belief you have about the world be challenged with new information. Not trying to justify where you are, but allowing the new information to flow over you like water over the sand and begin to integrate a little bit so you can see possibly a new way. Rather than seeing it, it has to be my way. You must give up what you think you already know and allow yourself, if I were to pull these two truths together, what might I come up with? That's how you begin to best up the stagnant mindset. Because the reality is you're a dynamic being. Your beliefs are supposed to be dynamic. They are not supposed to be static. You're supposed to actually grow with you as you grow. Personally speaking, when you're dealing with your life, especially when you're very young, how you see the world is a mindset. If you choose to try to stay and hold on and see that world the same way you saw it when you were five, six, and seven, which is one of the issues we deal with many people in our classes, they refused to mature as their body matured. They refused to allow their beliefs to, to grow as their body grew, and so they still cling on to beliefs that they had when they were five and six years old. And those beliefs were created and designed for them to survive at five or six, but they're not going to be able to work right now when you're 24, 25, 26, 35, 45. And so how you shift the mindset is, once again, transformation, the renewing of your mind. You allow yourself to have more information in, and you'll actually allow the information to come in. Three ways of listening in the basic is simply this. I agree, I disagree, or you're just be with. Hmm. 
most of us, when new information comes in, we instantly go to, I disagree with that. And we don't even realize we're doing it. It's an automatic, I disagree with that. In other words, it doesn't, it's not in alignment with my mindset, so I instantly toss it out and I disagree with it. Or we say, I agree with that. And what we're saying is that's in alignment with my mindset, and therefore it's right, and so I agree with it. And so the point is that you get to be right in both instances, but no new information gets in. If no new information can get in, then your belief cannot be expanded. The difficulty is that you either expanding, become being bigger, or you're contracting and becoming smaller. And so if a belief does not have new vitality breathed into it along the way as you grow up, it will become stagnant, it will become smaller, it will become fragile, it will become bitter or brittle, and then what happens is you will become angry, you will become defensive, you will become bitter, you will become frustrated, and you will always be on the defense or on the attack in any given situation. That's the person that you can tell. Their mindset has now gone to total stagnation and it's ready to be exploded or blown up. Hence what takes place in a lot of people's worlds is once we actually have to experience death, someone important dying, or we get the, we get the results back from the hospital and we find out we, we had a heart attack, we have blood clots, we are overweight, we're going to die unless we shift something. Well, when we want to live, we'll break up our mindsets. We'll break up our mindsets concerning food, concerning alcohol, concerning exercise, and we will shift everything because what we have been doing has not worked, and we will bust it all up altogether. How you implement Psy into your daily life, it's not Psy. Do not focus on implementing Psy because Psy is not a religion. Psy is not a following. Psy is not a way of doing things. Psy is a set of tools that you can use to move your life forward. You want to implement them? Don't even try implement them. You actually look at what's valuable in them and use that information to move forward. Trying to allow yourself to be allotted or um, compliant to a stringent line of commands is you trying to be liked by us versus you trying to be liked by your mom or dad. All you did was basically pull out mom and dad, insert side. You don't want to do that. You're still living your life for something exterior, something outside of you. You're a human being, the dynamic inside of you. You have values. You have beliefs. Those values and beliefs are constantly being fed. They're constantly being revitalized. They're constantly being made dynamic unless we stop feeding them. Then they're dying and they're stagnating. So don't concern yourself so much as bringing psi into your, implementing psi into your daily life. Get yourself focused on how do I live a life worth living? How do I live a life where I look in the mirror, I look at a man or a woman that I'm excited to see? Because many of us don't do that. We look in the mirror and we don't like what we see. We don't like what we've done. The biggest fear on the planet is people don't want to be successful so much or they don't want to have um, people know about them so much or they don't want to have themselves put into places of leadership because they don't want to have the exposure. They're afraid that everybody's going to come in and start looking at the little corners and crevices of their life. And none of us want to have those closets opened up. We'd rather just be mediocre and fly under the radar.
and not be not have that kind of exposure because the reality is we have not made peace with our past we have not made peace with the darkness we have not actually allowed ourselves to go through the fire and if we have not allowed ourselves to go through it we do not want anybody else to see it so it's not about living yourself for sight it's not about living yourself for becoming a christian being a hindu being a buddhist adhering to this particular church that particular philosophy this particular person mom dad it is stepping out if it's true it's got to be true for me i'm living a life that's worth living and at which you can basically employ psi principles as well as buddhistic principles as well as christian principles as well as any principles because now you're operating from a place of synergism and you realize that all things are there in front of you to create the finality of what you want to create, you becoming an awesome human being. So next question. Uh, next up from GP, how do you get into synergy with your spouse? Um, Whenever you're dealing in a relationship situation, which is always challenging, especially if one sees something one way and some sees something the other way, uh, you're asking that question for, for one of two reasons. One, you have attempted to get them to do what you want them to do, and they're not doing it. And so your idea of synergism is them complying with you and how it should be done. Or two, you're actually feeling a lack of intimacy and connection with them as a human being, and that's problematic. Your first step in creating intimacy with anyone else outside of you is to create, I mean, and create um, synergism with anybody outside of you is to first create synergism within yourself. First and foremost, you work on you getting into objective and subjective alignment. When you create that vital energy, that fun and excited energy, anyone close to you will feel its authenticity and they too will have a desire to jump in the pool. That's why when little kids start laughing, everybody in the room starts laughing because it's a vitality, it's an energy, and they are in synergism, and so it calls us into that same energy, and we can't help but do it. There's a guy at my church years ago. The guy was really excited about carrot juice. Now, I'm not much into carrot juice. Maybe I care about carrot juice, but this guy is so excited about carrot juice and how awesome it is for your body and how it does this and how it does that. But it wasn't just his information he was giving me. It wasn't just the spiel he was giving me. It wasn't that he was trying to sell me any sort of organic carrot juice. What I got is this guy is really excited about carrot juice, and it makes me kind of excited about carrot juice. I kind of want to get some carrot juice, too. I want to try it out. Attempting to work with any other human being, you, gotta, you have to be in synergism alignment yourself. You can't ask them to do something you're not willing to do. Only then will you be able to realize if it's something that's possible for that relationship. If that relationship has been so altered or destroyed or hampered at that point that synergism is not possible, then you have to be okay with that and allow yourself to experience that completely in every way, or you'll leave that. That'll be the reality with it. But for the most part, whenever someone asks me questions like that, what I see them trying to do is they want someone else to do something they're not willing to do. So you go home, you create synergism in you. You get in subjectively and objective alignment. You know you're in it because people will be falling into whatever it is. You know you're in it because you're going to be having fun doing whatever. You can be waxing the floor. 
and everybody will want to get in and wax the floor. Mark Twain was, he was the best at illustrating that when it came to painting the fence with Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. They made it sound like painting the fence was the most exciting thing on the planet. It's the thing that changed people's lives. And before you know it, you have all these other kids painting the fence because they were caught up in their synergism. So create in yourself first, and then it'll, it'll, it'll by, by law, begin to filter out into them. That's a huge part of it. Next question. Uh, next up, and this will be the last question here from GJ. It's actually three questions in one. How do I achieve exactly what I want? What is the meaning of life? And what is my purpose? All right, so uh, what, what was the initials? Uh, this is GJ. GJ. All right, GJ, here we go. How do I achieve exactly what I want? Here's a something for you to play with. You are achieving exactly what you want. How do I know that? Because you're achieving it. You don't want anything more than what you have right now. I know that because based on results, that's all you have. When you ask... How do I achieve exactly what I want? What you're thinking and trying to do is that I want to achieve something else that I don't have. That means you're in resistance to what you have, which means you're in resistance to what you want. Because the point is that I don't care if you're making $20 a week. I don't care if you're making $2 million a week. You are right where you want to be. Your mind may go, no, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it is. It is. Because if you wanted something different, you would have something different. We deal with you as an authentic human being and an authentic self. We bring you back. Your most authentic experience of yourself is generally when you're four to six. And when you're four to six, the world is your oyster. There is nothing you cannot have. You are a high-end roller. You are a high synergistic person that integrates people into how you see the world. You get things done. You started by when you're two or three, but it's really happening in its vitality at that point. When you want a toy or when you wanted candy or when you wanted whatever it was, no was not an option. You enrolled anyone and everyone around you to assist you in achieving what you want. If mom didn't understand, you told dad. If dad didn't understand, you told grandma. If grandma didn't understand, you told grandpa. If grandpa didn't quite get it, then you go told a complete stranger. So you, you exhausted each and every resource until you achieve what it is that you wanted to achieve. That's how we operated at one time. And so the reality is this, 30 years later, 20 years later, 50 years later, what you have to realize is what you have right now, it's all you want. If that bothers you, then you can move on. But until you realize that, you cannot. You will be in that place. So you are achieving exactly what you want. What is the meaning of life? 42. What's your purpose? What's your dharma? In Sanskrit text, they have the word dharma, which is what we use as the word purpose. Um, and in its process, it has also a more impractical and also practical nature to it, which means that what's your purpose? Exactly what you're doing right now. Because if you're actually in what exactly you're doing right now, what you're doing right now is setting, up, setting you up for what you can do next which means the assimilation of the difficult and dark parts of us is, is as important as us assimilating, accepting the great parts of us. 
Because through that process of being alive, you will come out the other end as a transformed person. You will not be able to remain the same. And so it's the same likely of climbing up part of a mountain, and when you get up part of that mountain, you're now able to see there's more of a mountain. To say what's my ultimate purpose in life is not possible for you to even see at this point, because what needs to take place is your life is your ultimate purpose that unfolds as you live it. And what's folded cannot be seen until you unfold it. What's folded up cannot be known until you know it. And so for me to take you right now and put you 20 years in the future and try to show you your life, you wouldn't even be able to handle it because you can't see it exactly from where you are right now. But true allowance and experience and being involved, dealing with that transformational process I talked about a little bit earlier, living your life from a place of all of this is my life. Not just the good things, not just the bad things. Like this guy's in the week. They've been dealing with harsh weather. And as people, we have a tendency of altering things because of the weather, and we blame a lot of things because of the weather. If it weren't raining, I'd do this. This didn't happen. Rain determines whether we're happy. Rain determines whether we're sad. Rain determines whether we're angry. The weather is constantly determining how we're going to be in each and every given moment. And the truth of the matter is, no, the rain gives you an excuse to be angry because you like to be angry. The rain gives you an excuse to be sad because you like sadness. How do I know you like sadness and anger? Because those are the two you tend to bring forth in almost any given situation. Your purpose is basically, I use the word assimilate, as you assimilate or integrate or bring that in as an experience, your mind will be renewed, you will be transformed, and now you're fulfilling your purpose. So what's my purpose? To live your life. Live your life. What you'll do in that life, only you know. Who you'll do it for, ultimately, is yourself. You may blame it on your parents. You may blame it on God. You may blame it on your spouse. But the responsible person in it is you. You allowed your spouse to say what she said or he said to make you do what you did. You allowed to believe whatever your parents told you to be who you are. You took on principles or you didn't to justify your existence. And so you're living a life by design or you're living a life based off victim. But what I know, that's your life. So ultimately, the purpose is yours. It's living your life, being you in your life. And I believe that ties into the meaning of life. The meaning of life is the meaning you bring to it. It's the meaning you create out of it. It's our responsibilities as every human being. How is it some people on this planet are just ecstatic? And they have very little. They're so happy about being alive. And here we are in America. We have more resources at our fingertips. Most of you have something to your ear right now called a cell phone that holds more technological power than anything that's been achieved or created in the last 40 years. And yet we treat it like it's nothing. The deal is, what's the meaning in life? It's the meaning you're bringing. The gratitude you have. The expansion. Allowing yourself to grow. Or not grow. It's always up to you. We can always find we want to grow. There's nothing can stop us. We don't want to grow. Any excuse will work. 
That's what I've learned throughout this process. And that's the end of that question. Kat, I'll turn it over to you. Uh, well, if there are any, are there any last comments or uh, takeaway points to wrap up the call? Last comments or takeaway points. It's your life. You're the author of the life, okay? You're the one writing the script. I tell us a lot in both I-7 and LS. If you're writing the novel, why are you playing a minor role? If you're writing the novel, novel, why are you the comic relief? If you're writing the novel, why is it always so tragic? Because the truth is, you're writing this book. You can try to blame it on everything else around you, but it's not that. It's you. And so now is your second step. It's your second chapter. You've already built the background characters and the background information. So why not the next chapter start writing the, writing the novel of a character who overcomes the circumstances, of a man or a woman that pulls defeat, uh, to pulls victory out of the jaws of defeat, a man or a woman that brings vitality to their family, a man or woman that brings experience to life in such a way that they're excited about getting up in each and every day, whether you're making $100 a week or $10 million a week. Because those who make a lot have meaningful, meaningless existences as if those who didn't. It's not the money. It's not the stature. It's not the people. It's not the family. It is truly, ultimately up to you. Time to unplug yourself. It's time for you to live based off your own principles, your own values. Be thankful for the parents who brought you here. Be thankful for the people who are around you. But you can't live your life for them. You must live your life for yourself. So start writing the novel. The novel where the unsuspected became the hero. Where the unusual became usual. Where you turned simple into amazing. That's purpose. That's dharma. That's a life by design. As you own that, you'll make it so. As you disbelieve that, because some of you, you're, you had a mom like me. She was the most cynical thing on the planet. Don't trust anybody. Don't love anybody. Don't get hurt. Keep the shields up. Phasers are always on kill. You can live your life like that. It's your total choice, but you don't have to. You don't have to. It's you. It always has been, and it always will be. I wish you luck in the journey. It's never about the ending. It's never about the destination. It's always about your journey. So good luck in that journey. Those are my final words. Wow, what a powerful call. Thank you so much, Rob, for sharing your brilliance with us tonight. You're welcome. And thank you to everyone listening in. We hope that you enjoyed the call and have some new tools to move you forward in the pursuit of your dreams and goals. And you definitely don't want to miss next month's call. It's scheduled for Tuesday, April 12th. And the topic is Overcoming Obstacles. We will be exploring solutions and creativity and thinking outside the box. You can register now at PSITeleseminars.com. And remember to ask your questions when you register. Again, that's PSITeleseminars.com. We do post live updates during the call on our Facebook page, and we love having your input. 
you can find us at facebook.com forward slash PSI seminars. Share your thoughts. Let us know what you got out of the call and how you're going to implement these tools and techniques into your life. Again, for those of you who are new to PSI seminars and would like to find out more about the PSI basic seminar or any of our advanced courses, you can go to PSIseminars.com where you'll find information about all of our courses as well as the dates and locations for upcoming classes. That's PSIseminars.com. Thank you everyone for being on the call tonight. We appreciate you taking the time out to listen in. Have a great night. Good night, everybody.